This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome into Poke the Bear episode 37. Who's who's number 37 that we could potentially have as this episode? Uh, I don't know if I know anybody. I don't know. We might have to check in with Spoke Z to see if maybe he maybe he can verify what what I think of a good player, but off the top of my head. I don't have one. I don't have one. I don't I don't think there's a 37. 37 on the Bruins? I'm, I can't think of one. It's escaping me at the moment. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll circle back. We'll we'll take it to Twitter and see if people can can help us out there. We'll see if people can think of a, a of a name. But for now, oh, Patrice Bergeron might be one. That might be the guy. Maybe I don't know. He might Ooh. be thirty six, or is he thirty six? No, you're thinking of Marcus Smart. We had this conversation Ooh, before. Yes, so that's right. That's right. That's it's right. all it's all kind of cloudy. We'll we'll circle back. We'll figure we'll figure out who, a good number thirty seven for this. But uh, at any rate, I'm Evan Marinovsky alongside Connor Ryan of Boston Sports Journal. Connor, how we doing? And I'm doing very well. How are you doing? Good. It was nice to see the Bruins. Uh, I, you know, when it was four two, yeah, four two in the third period against the Devils. I'm thinking, my God, every time I think this team can't get lower, they do. But they didn't. They pulled themselves out of it. They Charlie McAvoy and Matt Grizzlick just went on an absolute tear at the end. Um, but that game was now Tuesday night. People will be listening to this on Thursday, so that'll be old news. That's why we never really talk about games. We don't. What's the fun? What would you? Why would you talk about a game when it's pretty much like over and done with the next day? So Con- that's always considering the con- considering the schedule is also like every other day now until the end of time we have a game. So <laughs> that stuff gets lost in the shuffle very quickly. It's so weird to have nights where there's no games because I'm like, oh, what am I gonna do tonight? There's no Bruins. Sleep. Yeah, what am I gonna sleep? Am I gonna go to bed at a normal time? Uh, <laughs> like, what what am I gonna do? Um, but at any rate, uh, yes, Bruins got to win. Uh, a much needed one. They finally, they finally beat the Devils. They finally did it. They finally, finally did it. But, um, well, this, I think this show's going to be a little all over the place with positives and negatives. Um, we'll start here because not a lot of people are talking about this. And I think it's an important thing we discuss. And that's Tuka Rask. Tuka Rask, you probably have not heard about him lately. You probably have not seen him lately. Um, he only played three games in all of March, only three games. Uh, he was out with an injury for a while, came back, left mid-game, or like during the intermission uh, recently. And it begs the question, in this shortened season, where there are games every other night, and your schedule is extremely uh, crazy, when is Rask coming back? Um, do you trust that he will be good when he comes back? Basically, at the crux of it, should people be concerned about Tuka Rask? Um, I mean, I think when you've got an injury like that he has and 
we don't know for sure what it is, right? It's still tabbed as an upper body injury. But I think you saw him in that game on March 7th where he left and looked like he was holding his back. Um, that's obviously very concerning especially for a goaltender. And I think it'd be one thing if he missed, you know, three plus weeks with this and was out, but then came back and was fine. But when you miss two weeks, come back, you get the clearance from both himself and the medical staff saying he's good to go and he only plays one period that's kind of concerning where that's something that, you know, it's not like it's, it's like a, a high ankle sprain in basketball, right. Where like, maybe you come back, but like when you do, you probably need like a whole off season to kind of get over it. Right. That's not something that just goes away. That's going to be lingering for quite a bit. So um, yeah, it's not ideal if, if you're the Bruins where you've got the situation where Rass is kind of in limbo with an injury like that. Um, again, I don't know if we're going to have the conversation of like, is it worth, you know, going for a run if you don't know what you have in Tuka Rask, but it's definitely a concern, right? It's, uh, you know, before last year, and obviously what happened up in the bubble, but the last couple of years, you went into the postseason, knowing at the very least that you had arrested healthy Tuka Rask, which is uh, a, a great uh, coup of the Bruins, right? In terms of having that knowing that knowledge that you have a top goaltender who's healthy and ready to go and rested. Rask, if he gets to the playoffs, could be rested if he's not playing a lot of games, right? But also you run the risk of uh, whether he's going to be fresh. Is he rusty? Is that injury still going to linger? It could be a thing where he looks great and all of a sudden he stretches the wrong way and you're back at square one, right? That's that's kind of what the nature of some of these back injuries um, uh, can cause for a goaltender. So it's definitely concerning. You wonder if maybe it's best to just kind of shut him down for a stretch here and see what you have in uh, Halak and Vladar, uh, who's been solid so far in his uh, brief stint up here. Again, I don't know if we're going to get into a situation where the Bruins in the playoffs is going to be like a new Bennington with Vladar or Vladar takes over. I was just thinking that. Something like that. Like, I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, you hope that Bruins don't have to resort to that when they hit the playoffs, but for the immediate right now, uh, it's definitely concerning for the Bruins in terms of just mapping out the rest of this year because, again, we could in two weeks' time, Rask could come back, and that's obviously great for the Bruins, but you also run a lot of risk of that with an injury like that. It's not like it's a, even like Lausanne, right, where he has like a broken a broken hand, has surgery for that. Not great, but generally you can map out the recovery timeline, and once the bones heal, once you get through the proper rehab, you're generally back back at it. Uh, a muscle injury to the back, that's one that, that can pop up again very, very quickly. So it's definitely concerning for the Bruins. It's funny. You mentioned a scenario where Vladar's playing a lot, and that seems kind of where the Bruins are going because obviously Halak can't play back-to-back nights. So he's you know, Vladar has been getting and is going to get more time. It, it, it's interesting because Rask is up after this season. And for a long time, we've all been saying resign Rask, resign Rask, resign Rask. You have to do it. And I still think you do have to do, you do have to resign Rask. And I don't think he doesn't want to play anywhere else. I don't think, that, or anywhere else in uh, the NHL. I don't think this is an instance of like, you know, I think if he, if, if he wants to come back, if the Bruins can kind of meet him at the right point, he'll come back. But for a long time, you didn't know what you had in Vladar and Swayman. But you're seeing it now. You know, Vladar looks solid. Swayman is really good in the AHL. You know, he might get some time up in the NHL at some point uh, here as well. And, you know, if Vladar makes this kind of run with Halak, and if, you know, that that tandem gets them into the playoffs, you do wonder if there's that urgency to re-sign Rask uh, in this situation. Because 
you know, if you have Vladar who looks ready to be in the NHL, or if you want to do the platoon with Halak and Vladar for an entire season, which again, it's hard to tell how that goes out over 82 games rather than, you know, two months. But if, if you have something there, I wonder how that affects re-signing Rask. Yeah, I mean, I, I think probably it all depends on how the Bruins look this year, how Vladar plays, how Swayman looks in Providence, um, which even, again, I see the most likely scenario is probably the Bruins move on from Halak and they bring back Rask. If anything, if Rask has a, you know, it plays a half season, it could just probably work out better for the Bruins in terms of just negotiating what his next contract will be, which I don't imagine is going to be, I don't think he's going to get paid, you know, $7 million a year. You know, I could see two years, three years at five, maybe that's just uh, a total guess at this point, but. No, you're reporting um, that. You just said you're, yeah. you're, you're, that is breaking news. Woo. Woo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, I think the same thing. Um, but you know, I could see that being most likely scenario as Rask comes back and then you probably incorporate Vladar in, but even if Vladar looks great and has, you know, a nine twenty say percentage, uh, in, you know, limited stat and swimming looks good. I still don't think ideally the Bruins want to, open next year where you hope they still think they have a contention window with two, you know, rookie goaltenders. I think it's one thing to have, you know, to play, play the hand where you've got Lozon and Zaboral and these guys in featured roles. It's another thing entirely when it's two rookie goaltenders with a, a team that's trying to cash in now, that's a whole lot of risk. Um, but uh, I think more than anything in terms of just rest status, it probably would just affect what they're looking at for his new contract because, I still think if Rask is willing to come back, which seems like he is, doesn't want to play anywhere else, and you can retain him for less money uh, and give yourself more cap flexibility, kind of seems like a no-brainer. No, it does. I'm just saying in terms of injuries, in terms yeah. of you know what you if you know what you want to do with your cap space, just make mm-hmm. Callum Booth the starter. I think that's really what has to happen. Just just make him the starter. Exactly. Uh, uh, but for you know, it's funny. It's hard to tell what the Bruins are going to do in net. It's hard to, you know, make, make a bet on what the Bruins are going to end up doing in net. But, but if you want to go do a sure bet, you go to betonline.ag. Absolutely, Evan. Listen up, guys. It's an exciting time of the year around the sports world. The NBA is in full swing. Bruins hockey has returned. And in just a few days, the Red Sox will return. Well, actually, it's, it's Thursday. So the Red Sox are hopefully planning it out. It might get rained out, but... Which would be would be an ominous start for the Red Sox 2021 season. But regardless, if they don't play on Thursday, they won't be playing the next couple of days. So baseball is back, guys. And even though you guys may not be at a game this year, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. No matter how the schedules change or the plays at play, Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere online, and we even have an exclusive promo code for our loyal listeners. So go to Bet Online and enter promo code CLNS50, that's CLNS50, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You heard me, a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Evan, no one beats that. Nobody beats that. So what are you guys waiting for? Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great bonuses, offers, and contests available right now. Again, enter promo code CLNS50 for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Go there now. Uh, so I am looking through the Flyers Twitter account, uh, oh, trying to find the tweet, the tweet of when they waived Shane Gostaspare, and they were they were promoting Shane Gostaspare the night before. 
Like they had a, a slow-mo shot of him. They had him with the emojis and stuff, which I think is absolutely hysterical. Uh, but they waived him on Tuesday morning. Uh, they finally waived Shane Gostaspear. Obviously, yeah, it's a transaction. We have placed uh, defense with Shane Gostaspear on waivers today. Uh, and the amount of quote tweets far outnumbers the amount of regular retweets that this got. Um, this this that was, was a good uh, sign. Yes, this this one was uh, this one kind of broke Twitter a little bit. But obviously, people don't know Gostaspear was like borderline elite a few years ago. Like everyone was, you know, the hyper on Shane Gostaspear. Seems like the Flyers always have like these young guys who they pipe up to, you know, be these amazing players, and then it's like, well, they're pretty average actually. Um, mm-hmm. But Gostaspear was a perfect example of this. And obviously over the past couple of years, he's deteriorated, deteriorated, deteriorated. This year, that whole Flyers team has just been garbage. Um, and they waived him. Now he cleared Wednesday morning. He cleared Wednesday yes. morning. So no one has picked him up yet. Now the question every NHL team is pretty much facing at this point, mainly the Bruins, or especially the Bruins, is do you pick him up? You know, it, do is it worth the $4.5 million uh, in cap room that he would take up, I believe? Um, mm-hmm for the next two years, correct? It's, I think two years. Yeah. Or maybe it's, I think it's two years remaining. I think it's a, it, he signed a big contract. So, um, hell yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, so not great on that front, but the Bruins do have a need on the left side. You need to let, you know, you need a left shot defense. We need someone experienced. Um, you don't want to have to keep rolling out Jacobs Borrell in a perfect world. You would, he would be your seventh defenseman. You would, put him in whenever you needed him, not every single night, especially with the way he's been playing lately. Um, and Gothaspear fits that, but there's a lot of hesitancies with this. This is not as easy as like 2016 Shane and So do you think that they should make a move uh, to, to uh, pick him up? Uh, well, I think on waivers, no. And I think it seems like a lot of other NHL teams agree with that. It's just, you know, if, if Shane Gothaspear was available with term for, two and a half million maybe you look at it because as much as i think he's got his warts defensively um obviously look at that whole flyers team they've got a lot of issues defensively um i still think shane gospier on the right team especially team that's struggling with getting pucks through generating chances uh struggling with you know generating chances up high on the power play um it makes plenty of sense like the, if, if he was available for cheaper i think the bruins would definitely take a look at him um but I think just with that contract, so he's on the contract for uh, two more years after this. So it's a whole lot of money to commit to a guy. Uh, I think two of those, those next two years, both of them, it's uh, signing bonuses of 2.25 kick in immediately. So teams are already paying those up front. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's overall, what I could see happening now that he's on waivers is um, flyers trying to probably make a deal where they eat some of that, they retain some of that money and then trying to make a move, which, if you're the Bruins, maybe you, you look at that. I still think you probably want a more uh, a stable guy back there. Again, obviously the the top dog Zach Holm, which seems you know I think we'll probably talk about that in a couple minutes, but that seems less and less likely now based on the way Nashville is playing. But ideally, you want a guy who's also solid in his own end, but it can generate at least more even strength offense, which I think the Bruins are, are lacking, obviously. Um, so I think for Gossespierre, yeah, I wouldn't put a trade past past them. I think Emily Kaplan. Uh, ESPN said on Wednesday that in terms of trades, that salary retention is going to be a big thing because just so many teams can't take on some of these contracts right now. Uh, so I could see the, the Flyers doing that. But in terms of the waiver wire, yes, you know, waiver makes sense in terms of, you know, picking up a guy without any consequences or having to give away any assets. But when 
that when you factor in that contract plus the Bruins, it's not like the Bruins need to get a Shane Gossipier and all their problems are set, right? They still got to add a guy up front or, or two, right? They have to make a couple different moves. And even though they have a little bit of cap flexibility plus some, you know, John Moore and LTIR, uh, Kasha could be on LTIR if he doesn't come back. We don't know about Kevin Miller, uh, even though that's a minimal cap hit, it's still close you to go over that $81.5 million uh, upper limit. Um, you know, they, they can't just kind of take on a contract like Gossip and think all their problems are going to be solved. Because, again, he's he helped in some areas. But, uh, I mean, you look at that game on Tuesday against the Devils where, uh, you know, Lozon had a really, really, really rough game. Uh, as you said, I think Zaboro has been really struggling the last couple of games, especially when he's getting pressured with the puck. Um, Clifton had a bad uh, – he didn't tie up Zajac on that net front, which led to that goal. So, it's not like you can just get an offensive defenseman and it's solving all your problems. You also need just some stability back there as well. A guy that can eat minutes and handle it, uh, handle kind of that workload. And I don't know if Gossip Spear answers all those problems. And when you factor in that contract on top of it, uh, I just don't see the fit. Yeah, no, I, it's funny. I think I was just thinking about this when you're mentioning retaining some of the salary and dealing. I mean, Gossip Spear right now would probably only take like a fourth or fifth round pick to get. I don't think that, you're, if, if it was just if you were just taking on that whole contract, yeah, no, yeah, yeah and also, yeah. also, and if, if if the Flyers were to retain some of that contract, I think he might go for even a sixth or seventh um, round pick. What's funny though is you know that if the Bruins did make that move, that sixth or seventh round pick would become like the face of the Flyers. Like it's that player be would new, end up uh, be Kapril Kaprizov. Yeah, of course. That's, that's so, usually how it works out. Yeah, that's how it usually works out. But again, I mean, if 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 it's funny you mentioned that if, if, if the Flyers now, by the way, I don't know how open the Flyers would be to trading within the division, but if the Flyers said to the Bruins, Hey, we'll eat half of this thing. So you're only paying 2.5 and we only need like a seventh. That's not the worst thing in the world. I mean, you know, that 2.5 isn't great. That's not fun. You don't want to pay that, but if it helps, um, you know, you never know. It's a low risk kind of move. Seventh round picks, not that big a deal. Uh, but again, it's the money. It's the, even that 2.5. You don't want, I mean, look at this John Moore contract. Like that's been a thorn in your side since he signed it. So um, again, like that's not a ton of money, but it's also money that could go to other places. So uh, there's a little bit of risk involved in that. I, to me, like, again, you should have your sights set higher, um, especially in a, in a place of need, like the left side on defense, which you, you know, you've needed for a long time now. Right. Um this is not like a new problem. It's not like, you know, oh, you know, the Bruins need like a third line right winger, you know, oh, let's go out on the way. I'd be like, oh, let's get Ilya Kovalchuk off waiver wire. Um, right. This, they need a little bit more um, in that. Now you mentioned another thing. Nashville is surging. They've won eight of nine. The yes. Predators have won eight of nine. They are in a, the fourth playoff spot in their division. Uh, they look great. Now that was the team everybody was supposed to be picking from. That's supposed to be the team, you know, Ekholm, to, to Boston and Forsberg to Boston and, and Ryan Ellis to Philadelphia or, you know, just taking everyone off the roster. Yeah. And now that doesn't look like it's happening. They also got David Ferrance. Uh, mm-hmm. You got David Ferrance from, from, from BU. BU, BU so, Terrier legend. Um, David Ferrance going to, uh, going to Nashville and uh, they're going to have Mark Del Gaizo in a few years. He's a UMass guy. Uh, remember the name. Uh, but so, yes, Nashville is not uh, the team that looks like it's going to be selling a lot at this deadline. Um, but we talked about this on Brunswick a little bit. You know, if you're the, if you're if you're if you're running Nashville and you look at the roster and you say, well, 
is it worth it to make this little playoff run again and be out in the first round or would it be better to get the head start on the rebuild? But do you think that Nashville is going to be a team that is still selling at this deadline? Uh, I mean, maybe the right, I feel like, especially with Ekholm, and I think this is why that asking price has been so high on him is that Nashville doesn't have to trade him right now. They can wait until the off season uh, because they got him under contract for another year at a very affordable price. So it's not like they, they need to move him. If some team is willing to offer, Hey, we'll give you a first round pick, a top three prospect in our system and another prospect, another NHL, you know, fringe player. Then, yeah, I think then you have to look at it and make that move. But it's not like Nashville is just, you know, doing a fire sale for the sake of it, especially the way they're playing now. And again, it, it remains to be seen of natural, like is best served kind of trying to make the playoffs again. I mean, also they've won eight of nine, as you said, but I think Philip Forsberg's now week to week with an injury. So that kind of plays into it. Um, and, you know, you look at that core and you've got maybe a few young guys on the way, like Ferenc and Delgado and a few players, but you also, I'm sure they're dreading how much money Forsberg's going to uh, command uh, two years from now. Ryan Ellis is up there in age. Ekholm's 30 going on 31. You know, it's how much more do you kind of have with this core in place? That's maybe a, a question they have to ask. But I think if you're the Bruins, especially, and you look at it in the way now Nashville already was, you know, asking a lot for Ekholm. Now they're probably even less inclined. It makes things difficult because, you know, the Bruins, I mean, look at their, their defense, right? They need a guy who generates 5-5 offense, but also can hold his own defensively, right? I mean, you, again, we saw in that game against the Devils on Tuesday, and Ekholm would answer, you know, solve a whole lot of problems for them. And after, if Ekholm's either off the board or they're asking for too much, the quality drops quite a bit in terms of a guy who does a bit of everything, right? I mean, you could maybe get just an all-defensive presence, like a guy like David Savad for Columbus, maybe. Scored his first uh, goal in like two years uh, yes. Tuesday night. <laughs> um, so, I mean, he would help. He's a, he's a right shot, but uh, big physical defensive defenseman. Jamie Alexiak is a guy. Bruins fans would probably love him because he's 6'7". Uh, underrated a little bit in terms of his offense. You know, he's not like a, a guy who's going to finish the year with like, you know, 78 games and like three assists and no goals, right? He he has a little bit of touch with, with the puck. Um but he's an option, but again, it's, it drops quite a bit. Right. So Lock stall. Yeah. That could be another guy, which that's probably what's going to end up happening, but uh, you know, that's coming, but Mark yeah. stall, and Bobby Ryan, you know, that's what's going to end up happening. Um, but again, that, that's the issue, right. Where at home, I think I'm sure not just the Bruins think this, but the jets obviously think it and Philly, which I don't know. I think Philly's a team yet to start looking at it. They just going to like, you know, take the L on this year. I mean, you've got like Carter Hart has to spend probably a week off just to solve kind of his goaltending issues and trying to work with him off the ice with that. Um, you wonder if whether they just, you know, chalk up the air to take the L and, and go back and kind of regroup next year. But still, whether it's the Bruins, the Jets, or a couple other teams, a lot of teams need a guy like at home. Uh, and if you miss out, the quality of who you have to kind of fill that void drops quite a bit. Yeah, also, you have to wonder about the Flyers. I mean, they've been a team that's had a, a similar core in place for a long time there up front. Claude Giroux, uh, Boracek, uh, Couturier. I mean, I know he's kind of emerging, but he's been there a while, it feels like. You wonder how much they keep putting into this with, you know, the defense. You know, Provorov hasn't had that great of a year. Um, 
the D in general have, it's funny. We thought Provorov was going to be the guy from mm-hmm. the East who would be like a Norris contender type guy. And that McAvoy would get completely overlooked. And it's been actually the complete opposite. McAvoy yeah. is the guy getting all the attention and rightfully so uh, we could spend a whole episode talking about how crazy he was in that final minute against New Jersey, but we'll say, we'll say, I, I, I think I, I think I made a Twitter angry because I said he was going sicko mode and people thought that was a horrible thing that I said <laughs> he was going sicko mode as, as the kids say. And someone was like, say. No, yeah, someone's like, no one ever says that. So you're like little Nas uh, that, X now. You're just, you're cursing everything. Of course. Yeah. It's, it's funny though, that, that people didn't catch that young reference. I bet I, as much as I make fun of, like, I got that because I'm a young guy, but I guarantee you when I'm, when I'm 35 and you know, I, a young are you saying, are you saying writer. I'm 30, you're saying I'm 35? No, no, no. I'm saying people reacting to your tweet. We're like probably mm-hmm. over 35, but when I'm 35 and, uh, you know, a young Bruins writer makes a joke, I'll probably be like, what, what, what's, what is he saying? What's she saying? I don't know. What's going on it come, here? It, it comes with the territory. Yeah, it it comes with it. But, uh, no, I, 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 I do wonder if the Flyers decide to, like, I don't think they'll blow it up because I think they have a, a little bit of a core in place, but you wonder if, they do at some point because again i don't know if that core is good enough to push them over the top uh and what's funny is i just this is the thought that just entered my head do you remember there was a team in 2019 that was supposed to be selling off a bunch of pieces wasn't good last place middle of the year and then they went on a big streak at the end of the year and then they stuck into the playoffs kind of like what nashville's doing right now but this team stuck in the playoffs and Battle through the first three rounds, mm-hmm. got to the Stanley Cup. I remember that team? I, it doesn't it ring was, any bells, but it sounds like a little cool bit. story. It was a cool story. It was, a, it, was, it was quite the story. But that's what Nashville's doing. That just ended up. I was like, holy shit, Nashville is turning into the next St. Louis. It's ridiculous. They're going to do it. They're going to freaking do it. Um, on a more positive yeah, note, that's for the record. Yeah, put Nashville versus Boston in the Cup. Nashville just does the same thing with the Blues did a few years ago. Um, Somehow the Bruins like trained one of the Predators goalies who's going to go on the run. And then it's going to be this whole big thing uh, on a more positive note. No, hopefully, but, hopefully he's not as bad as the other, uh, the other guy before him. But <laughs> they just handed a new deal. Yeah. Good job guys. It's great. Congrats. Great organization. Enjoy that one guys. Couldn't have, by happened the way, better, couldn't have happened to a better guy. And they're misusing crew still, still they're misusing crew. Um, yeah. And their fault break. It shows to show you how important Colton Pareko is. Uh, ever since Pareko has been gone, that team has been a puddle. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, Nesson had him on the cold meter uh, during the Stanley Cup playoffs because he didn't score a goal. You know, he was shutting down the Bergeron line for seven games. So have you, have you noticed? Game. Have you noticed recently they haven't been doing that? Everyone they have on is hot. No one's cold. They've they because they realize they jinx the Bruins by putting on someone as cold. Then they go on and they score probably, like five goals. They probably put Kyle Palmieri on there, who has scored I think like five goals against the Bruins in six games. So. Yes. Yes. No, but they, they've stopped. It's all, it's all hot. Everybody's hot. No one's cold. Um, the other thing about that, you were at the game on uh, Tuesday night, but I was not the audio on the Nesson broadcast. I heard, I, heard, I heard it was dreadful. It was like, it was like Edwards was uh, broadcasting from, you know, 3000 feet underground. He was, he was, you know, <laughs> broadcasting the game from the center of the earth next to like some igneous rock right over his head. Like the sound waves are just like right through it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was bad. And, and then to end the game, like the game ended, they, like they kept fixing it. And then the game ended and, uh, you know, they were giving, they're saying their goodbyes and then it just sounded like the same thing. So they're broadcasting yeah. from Tron. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, it was not good. It was a, uh, it was tough, but on a lighter note, 
Nick Ritchie finally breaks the, the, the monkey off the Bruins back. He gets it off with the five, that five on five goal against the devils, which was like just that, a, that, that stout New Jersey defense, a tumbling muffin from the right side. He gets it through Mackenzie Blackwood, uh, but him, Krejci and Smith have looked good. Have looked good. Is that something that we might see more of? Uh, you hope so. Cause right now, especially the, the Bergeron line really isn't getting it done. I think, I read somewhere that Pasternak's got one even strength goal in his last 12 games. So they've got to solve some of those issues. But for right now, yeah, that line looks pretty good. I think even, you know, they'd strung together a couple of good games in a row now, but I was kind of surprised at just how good they've been. I think last four games, I think they've played about 38 minutes together. They're outscoring teams four to one. I think like shots and goals, like 35, 11. Uh, So, you know, pretty substantial in terms of how much chances they're generating. And again, I, I don't think either uh, either of us are going to say that just because they've had a few good games against the Sabres and the, uh, and the Devils that this is your new second line. You don't have to worry about getting a guy like Paul Mary or Hall or Garland or any of these guys we've talked about on this podcast for weeks now, but for the, for right now, at least you're, getting something from that group and you're, you're seeing them all kind of contribute in different ways. It's good to see Smith really start heating up. Now he had three assists in that game on, on Tuesday. Um, so for right now, it's helping out. And at the very least you got, you know, even if they get another top six guy, um, you're seeing kind of the, these guys you need to consistently play well, like Richie, like Smith, uh, you know, do well. And, you know, once the gets cleared, hopefully by, you know, maybe Saturday's game, uh, and you put him with Coil, and all of a sudden, it you know your offense you know, looks a lot better when you've got DeBrus slotting down to that third line, and hopefully him continuing kind of where he was playing before he went out on the COVID protocol list. So for right now, it's opening quite a bit. And what do you know when the Bertrand line you know rebounds as we all expect they will? Maybe your offense looks better. I still think again they still need to get a guy, but it shows you just how much different the outlook of this team is when that second line is contributing and playing well at five and five, how much it transforms the whole rest of the, the the team. Because when even that group is giving you more than what you've expected for the last year plus now, uh, it changes, it changes the whole complexion of what you're seeing from this team. Really does. It really does. Again, just get a set top six. Uh, it's funny, actually, Frank Valley just tweeted his new trade bait column. Um, and he has David Savard now as the number one trade target. Um, Matthias Ekholm has fallen down to six because of how good the Predators have been lately. So his his thing goes Savard, Palmieri, Taylor Hall, who I like, Nick Foligno, Jonathan Bernier. Hey, there you go. Rasmus out. Get, come, come on in, Jonathan Bernier. Let's take this team on a run. Of course. Um, and then Ekholm, number six. Granlin, number seven. Uh, Toronto's top prospect at number eight. I don't know why that's not the name, but whatever. <laughs> I guess they have so many that they just, you know, it's the top Sportsnet, Sportsnet will say that, don't worry, that they're going to get Connor Gallen for uh, a bunch of nickels and their 10th prospect because that's, you know, that, that's how they apparently pitch their uh, their trade move. So, and, and genius. But then the Bruins have to give up, you know, top, top young first round pick and Jake DeBrusque and a top young prospect in Sadika and their other first, or, and and their their first, other first round, pick. round pick for Taylor, for Taylor Hall. Hall. U, U, Taylor UFA, Hall. UFA Taylor Hall. Two goal, two goals this year, Taylor Hall. By the way, he was, I think he was one of my first picks in my fantasy uh, league this year. It sucks. My fantasy team's actually been doing well. Um, but, but I had Ekblad, who was killing it for me. Killing it. Petrangelo has been in and off the uh, IR. Uh, Taylor Hall has been terrible. I've been saved by like many, you know, 
Joel Erickson Eck and Alex Debrinkit and like these as we, as we all expected Joel Erickson Eck to break through oh, yes. was like a like a, a silky like dark horse this year. Spoke Z probably did. I mean, Spoke Z's yeah, so wild true. guy. They're running through. Um, by the way, I checked this the other day because I don't know if we saw on uh, on Twitter a reporter in San Jose asked Eric Carlson after he scored like two goals <laughs> if it was Severus' best offensive game, and he just said no, and he just kept eating his apple. It was um, the, the app. The apple was the good accent on you know adding on how great that the response was. Just continuous. I also find it hilarious. Like did that guy not watch all of 2016-17? With Eric Carlson, where he was just like, like that, 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 whole pl- that whole playoff series against the Bruins, which is like, I think people talk about how good, like, you know, Bennington was in that series against Boston. Like, Eric Carlson in that seven, in that six, six game series. It was six five? games. Because remember, for uh, the fifth game, Sean Crowley scored the OT winner. Yes. Yes. Then, yeah, uh, six. But that six game series against that Eric Carlson was. He was going sicko mode, as the kids say. That guy was, that guy was nuts. <laughs> no, the, I mean, nothing was, nothing beat that. Uh, full ice saucer pass to Mike Hoffman at the blue line. Like that was absurd. If you're too grass, yeah. you can't not, I mean, you can't save that puck. Like that puck has to go in the net. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, that was it's, a, it's, a, it's a courtesy. It's like, okay, here, here you go. Yes. But so I, I was saying, I was like, I want to look up Carlson's stats this year and they're not that good. The, his, his numbers, I think he had like 13 points and uh, 30 yeah. something games. And He's you know, who a was, lot of money. you know, what was right under him? Mario Ferraro with, I think 12 points in a few more games. But I was like, damn, UMass repping right under Eric Carlson. There you go. How about it, Mario Ferraro? Um, there you go. Going into the Frozen Four. Going to the Frozen Four. But yes, no. Against um, the whole state of Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota. The entire. It's funny. Uh, someone on the, one of the college hockey calls asked uh, the Minnesota State coach. They asked one of the coaches from one of the Minnesota teams. Like, how cool is it that all these Minnesota teams are in? And the guy's like, I, I don't care, man. Like. I'm just trying to win the Frozen Four. I don't give a <laughs> shit who we're playing or how many Minnesota. Yeah. Like, it's cool, but who cares? So, um, anyways, speaking of things that we should be caring about, what are you working on at Boston Sports Journal right now? Yeah, we're going to be breaking down, obviously, I think with the Ekholm news, I think the Bruins have to maybe start taking a look at other uh, potential defensemen to look at the trade market because I think, again, they have to make an upgrade there. Uh, so we'll be taking a deep dive on a few other targets they could be looking at. Um Breaking down, uh, Bruce Cassidy did some interesting stuff on Wednesday about David Pasternak and kind of what he needs to do to get back on the score sheet. So we might be breaking down his game a little bit uh, and looking forward to what's going to be a kind of a pivotal stretch here, right? You playing, you know, the, the Penguins. I think you've got a few games against the Flyers. Uh, it's going to determine, I think, a lot of how invested the Bruins are in terms of really going for it this season. You're going to see it over the next ten plus ten plus days. So uh, it's going to be an exciting kind of stretch here. So we'll be breaking all that down over at BSJ. So subscribe over at bostonsportsjournal.com. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. And for Steel Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. That's Connor Ryan of Boston Sports Journal. You poke the bear listeners. Have a great rest of your day. <laughs> <laughs>